Okay, thank you. Take your Bibles, if you would. Turn to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. Let me say what a joy it is to see all of you. Uh, glad that the Lord uh, gave opportunity for you to be in His house this morning. Remember, uh, beginning today, we have uh, children's worship in our second service. So I know that is something some of you were looking for us to get started again, pray uh, for the spread of COVID. Pray that there's a break uh, for the community and everyone uh, affiliated and uh, those who might have been stricken with that terrible uh, disease. So let's pray one for another uh, as we continue on faithfully, okay? Daniel chapter 10 uh, I'm going to be reading verses 12 and 13 if you will focus on those two verses. But I probably will go back and read verses 7 through 11. And the reason being that is because there are some explanation there to what Daniel uh, is addressing. And there are uh, given some reasons there for his continuous prayer. So as we look at this today, I want to just speak to you from the subject matter of hindrances to our prayers. What are some things that cause our prayers seemingly not to get answered? Or what are some things that might cause our prayer not to be heard? And they're all biblical, the, the things uh, that I will share with you. So Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, it begins by saying, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the king of or kings of Persia. Now, if your Bible are open, uh, reach back up and look at verse seven. It says, "And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them." so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me. For my comeliness was turned into, my comeliness turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of His words, and when I heard the voice of His words, then was I in deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, an hand touched me, which sat upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am, uh, am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Now, you've already noticed that the... Uh, title basically for the message this morning is coming uh, there out of verses 12 and 13. And it comes up mainly when it says there, uh, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Uh, but then there's Michael the archangel who gives a word uh, 
and gives some assurance there to Daniel. For the first uh, or for the last few weeks now, I've been preaching uh, some sermons uh, on the subject of the altar. We saw in uh, Ezra chapter 3 that the people of Israel were permitted to go back uh, into Jerusalem, those that wanted to, and they could get uh, started rebuilding the temple. The temple had been destroyed by the Babylonians, and therefore uh, Cyrus, king of Persia, gave permission to go back and rebuild it. Well, uh, we find that before they built the uh, temple, that it says they built the altar. So uh, when I think on the, the subject matters of past, we did address the altar. The altar is more than just a place of prayer. The altar was a place they would bring their sacrifice. So therefore, we could see it as a place of worship. We could see it as a place of prayer. Uh, whatever you see in your mind. But we today think of the altar in most of our lives as a place of prayer. Some of you have a specific place uh, that you would liken that. So we see the altar a place, of, a place of prayer. Then we address the church, a people of prayer. Acts chapter 12, if you remember, uh, they had uh, beheaded one of the apostles, uh, or they had killed one of the apostles, let me say, and then they uh, uh, incarcerated Peter, and they thought, uh, after Easter, we'll bring him forth now, and we'll have our way with him. Well, the church uh, went to praying. So here's where we see the church uh, being the people of prayer, okay? Scripture said that while uh, they were praying that there was an earthquake in the prison and that says there that the doors came open and uh, Peter was delivered. Peter goes to the house where they're praying and uh, the damsel runs back to the prayer room, brings them forth and they said, hey, don't, don't disturb us. We're praying that Peter would be delivered and she's trying all that time to say yes and he's at the front door so let's rejoice uh, the church, a people of prayer. Now we in the Word, a plan of prayer. We saw that somewhat last week, but today I want not to just simply speak to the plan of prayer in how to get our prayer answered, but let's look at it in how sometimes uh, or why sometimes we do not uh, get our prayer answered, uh, and we can see a few things for that. Daniel, absolutely, uh, we could see him as a man of contrition. You see that in verse 12. You could see in verse 13 that he also was in a place of contention. I will go ahead and tell you, I believe uh, that if we get serious in prayer, that that will be one of the attacks that the enemy has on us. Uh, why would I say that? Because uh, the enemy knows when the church is at prayer, she is in her most powerful position. So Daniel knew their contention in prayer. And then in the latter part of verse 13, we see him talking about there, Michael, one of the chief princes, uh, came to help him there. And you could uh, deal with some of that if you would like. 
when you think about uh, do we have guardian angels, do we have helping angels, all I can tell you about that is angels are ministering spirits, okay? Hebrews chapter 2 tells us that. And in this case, Daniel will tell us about an instance when they came uh, there to assist him. So this morning, when we're looking at uh, this passage, uh, uh, we can see Daniel's piety, okay? Verses 2 and 3, it says again, As I read, in those days I was mourning for three weeks. I did not eat pleasant bread, neither came flesh or wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, church, I see here something that he doesn't state, but I see it as a strong possibility. It is possible that Daniel here is observing a fast. Yes, I believe whether it is a total fast or just a partial fast. I'm not sure, but he tells us there that he's mourning, he's not eating bread, he's not eating flesh, he's withholding himself from wine. He said there, I did this for three weeks. Now, I don't know that it is in a fast that he's doing this. However, I strongly believe because of the terminology that he is describing here is we find him at a place in his life when he is withholding himself from those things that he has that are necessary. So his piety then leads us to his prayer and also his persistence. You remember he kept saying 21 days. He kept reminding us from the first day that thou uttered uh, that word, he said, I heard thee. Now with all of that in mind, what we see is Daniel really is a man of prayer, is he not? Matter of fact, it got him in trouble one time. If you remember, back in the earlier uh, parts of the book of Daniel, uh, you, you see that Daniel was not just a casually committed guy. He is, a, he is a strongly committed fellow. That's why here I, I put that little word up top, Daniel's uh, determination. He is determined not to let anything uh, uh, cause him any uh, uh, lack of understanding or showing and demonstration that God is first uh, in his life. Now as we look at these things, uh, let's think about why prayer might not uh, be answered. Well, first of all, I see that there is internal oppression. Verse 8, if you're looking at it, he said, I was left alone, there was a great vision, I was without strength uh, in me, for my comeliness was turned into corruption, and I retained no strength. Let me say what I see, two things here, and we'll get into those six points that I want to make with you. Number one, there is internal oppression. When we uh, strongly commit ourselves to prayer, it could happen in our lives like Daniel is talking about, and that is that there comes a weakness. Now, do not take this as spiritual weakness, okay? 
because he's not talking about spiritual weakness. He is talking about how that sometimes uh, our body does not retain its strength as it normally would, uh, and that's partially because that Daniel now is so committed to the cause. If it is uh, that he's 21 days in a fast, that means he's 21 days in a prayer, and that internal uh, system that we're created with is now causing him physical weakness. But that's not the whole reason that I, that I wanted to, you to see that. I wanted you to see the external opposition. Look how it is stated in verse 12. From the first day that you set your heart to understand and chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I came for thy words. Later in these verses, you will see him, or we have already heard him, but you could read it again, when he talked about those uh, kings, did he not? Those people there uh, of the kingdom of Persia, the prince, singular, but then he also uh, would give reference otherwise. So there's external opposition. Folks, I've said this many times before, but I really feel led to say it again. If we could only see the spirit world, if we could only see what is happening that is outside of the natural eye, what we would see uh, is opposition to the things of God in great degree. We would see more opposition as we near the end. Uh, why? Because the devil understands his time is limited. And therefore, one of the means whereby that he can hinder the church greatly is in our prayer life. Now, if, if you were to be honest with uh, yourself first, and then likewise, if you have a mentor or if you have someone uh, that you're accountable to, you've got an accountability partner, if you would be honest with them, you might would say, my prayer life is not all it could be. But you could also say, my prayer life is neither what it used to be. So somewhere in the continuum of being where there was no prayer life and somewhere in between being as good as it could be is most likely what our answer would have to be. Let's see why there might not be answered prayer. The number one is just obvious. And the reason is, 1 Samuel 12, 23 said, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Is it possible that in that continent between no prayer life and an extremely great prayer life, that what is happening is there is a, a time of prayerlessness, okay? That simply means we're not where we desire to be or even could be. I'm going to read a verse in a few minutes in James chapter 4, verse 3, when he says, You have not because you ask not. Now that's the first part of that verse, and it fits here. Why? Because James is saying concerning our prayer life, 
and our communication with the Lord that the number one reason we don't get our answer that we would like is because we're not praying or asking. Jack Taylor defined prayerlessness as that state in which one prays less than he ought, less than the Father desires, and less than one himself knows he should. You know, I believe sometimes the devil will attack our prayer life before he will even attack our church attendance. I believe he will attack our prayer life before he would even attack sometimes our daily Bible reading. I believe he does that because to render one uh, weak is therefore easily accomplished when therefore uh, we are ceasing to be the prayer people we ought to be. And as a result of that, hey, the church is just, we're existing. Some could even say we're growing, but are there great things happening through the life of the church because of prayer? Now, I mentioned Acts chapter 12 earlier. And you remember, as I described that, Peter's in prison. There's a nucleus of people over here in a house, and they're praying. What would have happened, do you suppose, if they had not been praying? It could have been, and it could have been, that Peter might have remained there longer until they saw the necessity of going before the Lord for His, for his uh, help. Is it possible? Prayerlessness. You know, we've been called upon to be praying for so many things over the last weeks, have we not? You know, the COVID issues, people sick. Yes, it's not uncommon uh, that we see multiple peoples every day in our community. Daniel and I were talking about this this morning, just reading, uh, counting obits in our local funeral homes over the last uh, couple of weeks, and it's unbelievable. And the reality of that is simply, hey folks, we, we stand in a great opportunity of prayer. And that is community-wise. Did you know that we likewise have been called to be people of prayer worldwide as well? I read something yesterday and it said the underground church in Kabul, Afghanistan is now at home with the Lord. We received, this is a quote, we received news that the underground church in Kabul has been martyred. Our friends have been in contact and met together last night in deep prayer. The last words she spoke were, We feel your prayers because this supernatural boldness came over us and we were singing in the Spirit. Even the kids said, Mom, we will not deny Jesus. As they were on the phone, they heard screaming and gunshots. Praying people. You know what? It could have been some people right here in America. could have been some of you. Friend, we may not get all we answer or, or may not get all we ask for. But I'll tell you what, one thing we can always be assured is, is that God hears us if we're praying. Secondly, there could be an unforgiving spirit. Boy, you want to be robbed of a lot of blessings? Just don't forgive someone. 
Hang on to your judgment concerning someone. Matthew 5, 23, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and you remember that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave the, there thy gift before the altar, go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come offer thy gift. Now, you could read that, and if we ask many of you, your interpretation could be, well, that gift is a bull, or that gift is a, an offering that is brought under the old uh, Jewish system. Well, we don't have to bring those things to the altar no more. Jesus is teaching, and He says, and I think He could conclude that whether it is in our worship, whether it is in our giving, whether it is in our praying, that if we want results, there must be a practice of forgiveness. Now, friends, I say this many times before. The church might not be so hysterical, but we sure can be historical. Simply meaning you can remember something for 35 years that somebody said to you way back yonder. And you've never forgiven them for it. And it hinders your prayer life. It hinders your worship life. It robs you of great spiritual blessings, many spiritual truths. And because of that unforgiveness, we just go through life weakly. Not W-E-E-K-L-Y, but W-E-A-K-L-Y. We just go through life. Defeated as sorts. Unforgiving spirit. That is one thing that never ceases to amaze me. And that is how such small things can be held on to so tightly as to find the right opportunity to throw that venom back on someone else. It would be much easier to forgive. Many churches, many classes, many groups of Christians are rendered incapable because of unforgiveness. Daniel was not a man of prayerlessness. I think I can conclude he was praying and fasting for 21 days. Daniel was not a man, as we can find, with an unforgiving spirit. But yet he's wondering, where, why, where's my prayer going? Thanks be to God for the Word. The Scripture says, from the moment you prayed, we heard, I heard. There's another reason that might be asking amiss. James 4.3. Remember, I quoted half of this verse just a moment ago. You have not because you ask not. He said, you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. Asking amiss. Now, amiss could mean that we're doing it incorrectly, we're doing it wrong, or we're doing it selfishly. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands if you've ever prayed for anything selfishly. Because I just believe, if you're going to be honest, you probably have. At the moment, you didn't realize it was selfish, but now that we're glad God didn't give it to us, we can say, boy, I was really selfish there, was I not? I have said many times over, I'm glad God hasn't answered all my prayers. 
For one reason, I might not be where I am today. I might not be with who I am today. Hey, I'm glad God hears, but He also doesn't answer them all. But one of the reasons I'm glad is because, hey, I could ask many things selfishly, and I have nothing in mind when I'm saying that. I, I just realized today that I, I, I'm still in the flesh. Once in a while, I have to pinch myself to remind me that, uh, hey, son, you, you haven't arrived yet. You still can be a selfish creature. And as we look at that, he said, asking amiss. Matthew 7, 11 says, If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to them who ask Him? Asking amiss. The Scripture talks about strained relationships will hinder our prayers. Now, I didn't just pick this up and find it. Uh, it's in 1 Peter 3, 7. It said, likewise, now anytime you see a likewise, reach back, read back, see why this is there. And he said, as a result of what's just said, husbands, he said, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now, Sometimes, many times, when there's a quarrel. Anybody know what a quarrel is? When there's fussing going on. Well, somebody said, well, I never saw my mom and dad fuss. I almost can say that seriously. I know they, I know they had to have had disagreements because my dad was strong-willed. And I'm named after him, so y'all don't assume that I'm strong-willed like him, but I could be. The Scripture says, though, that the relationships that we have with our spouses are, are a key link to our spiritual lives. And he says if we're not rendering to each other as we have need, that prayers are hindered. Well, that's hitting close home, isn't it? It doesn't say that it causes us not to pray our three times a day, as someone would say. It doesn't say that we don't pray where we ought to pray. It just says that our prayers get hindered. You know, we might be going through the posture of prayer. We might be uh, uh, dealing with the practice of prayer and all of the right things. And then we wonder, well, why, why is my prayers not getting there? And he said it's because of the relationship sometime between ourselves and our spouse. Now, with all of these things in mind, I didn't just dream them up. If we're going to be praying people, can we expect that there will be hindrances? Absolutely. Now, do we write that off and just say, well, I'm just not going to pray because there's too many hindrances. None of my prayers would get answered. No, that's not a reason not to pray. He says there that for our prayers not to be hindered, we need to be in right relationship. There's a fifth thing, and that is 
neglect and indifference to the Word of God. Coming out of the Old Testament. Proverbs 28, 9, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Now, the wise man writing said, For those who refuse to hear the word, oh, sometimes we don't have time to read it. We find an excuse for not listening to it. And as a result of that, the Scripture reminds us that we just rather turn our ears deaf toward the Word, and therefore, he says, your prayers become an abomination. One of the reasons I think that the Word is so important to our prayer life is it teaches us what the will of God is. And one of the conditions upon getting our prayers answered is praying in the will of God. But if we refuse to hear the Word, have no place for the Word, we just neglect it or we're indifferent to it. He tells us there that our prayers become abominable. Now we sure wouldn't see our prayers as sinful, would we? But in reality, he says, neglecting the Word will hinder your prayer life greatly. And I close with this sixth one. And that is those with no relationship to Him. Now this might be one of the harder ones, and therefore I I beg of you to really deal with this personally. John 9, 31, Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and and doeth his will, him he heareth. Just got through teaching a small group Bible study class. If you're using the uh, Bible Studies for Life series, we started a series this morning, if you remember, on assurance, things we can know. And uh, as, as we started that, uh, chapter 1 of 1 John just deals with knowing that we know Him. Now, I remember sharing this point quite a few times and. And usually it always stirs a little bit of, uh, of uh, not antagonism, but it really makes people think, now preacher, you telling me that God doesn't hear the prayers of sinners. Well, He does hear the prayer of confession from a sinner. He hears the prayer of repentance from a sinner. But, uh, I, you know, there's no way for me to teach the reality of this. Other than, you know, as a child, my dad and mom taught me, now you just don't go down the street and knock on anybody's door asking for things because you don't belong to them. Now the Lord is our Father, amen, if we pray like Jesus said. And because He is our Father, we therefore go before Him. Now yes, the Lord cares for everybody, does He? Amen. Does He care that our prayers are heard? Absolutely. So therefore, what I read here is that He desires, of all the things that I've shared today, He desires that we know 
not what we're praying for, but to who we're praying to. The very most important thing to our prayer life is that we know He is our Father. And because we know, therefore we should not be timid or ashamed. The Scripture tells us in the Hebrew letter, we can come boldly before the throne of grace and find grace to help in time of need. Now let me preface that and I close. Some of you are going through things that I would not imagine. You say, well, why would you not imagine it? Well, number one, I don't know what you're going through, so therefore I'm not dreaming that you have this disease or dreaming that you have this going on in your life. But now, hey, I would be glad to know it and pray for you, but the Father knows it all. And as a result of that, because you belong to Him, there is a great care that He hears from you. As you bow your heads with me today, I have not shared these things to confuse you. I have not even shared them to concern you. I've really shared them to affirm you. And the reason being is, hey, we need to be more diligent in our prayer lives. We need to be more active. Or let me just say, I need to be more active in my prayer life. And folks, as we do, that great element of trust, God will hear and answer. Father, thank You. There's deep trouble among the saints. And when I say that, it's not personal trouble sometimes. It's trouble that others are going through that troubles us. And yes, we have mentioned some of those things this morning. Lord, please hear our prayer. Please, Lord, as we call unto you, show us great and mighty things that we know not. Hear the prayer of the sick and bring healing. Hear the prayer of the abandoned and give, Lord, assurance that you care. Lord, I pray now in this time of invitation commitment that, Lord, you'll be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? Brother Mike will lead us.